Welcome to the Week in Italian Startup, where we discuss the latest highlights happening in the Italian tech and investment ecosystem. All right, welcome everyone to the Week in Italian Startup, where uh, Nicolo and I, we dissect the latest news happening in the uh, Italian ecosystem. Welcome, Nick. Ciao, Jack. Good morning. Ciao, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever. All right. So, uh, pretty uh, easy week, I would say, last week. Uh, there is a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, maybe it's uh, endemic of the fact of, you know, post-August, post-holidays. Uh, it's kind of uh, normal, probably. Uh, kind of a big news, maybe, uh, which uh, kind of stands out. And uh, maybe let's start from exactly from there. So, Pronto Prom merged with Turkish competitor Armut and the Nuco raised the 15 million euro from existing investors. So that's uh, it's quite a big deal, actually. So uh, Pronto Pro, for the, for the people that don't know, uh, provided services uh, online directly. So any kind of uh, consumer services, I would say. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been found by two uh, very capable founders that have been able to actually speed up the growth, especially in the last two years. So definitely a very, very good example of what's happening in Italy. Uh, Armut, I was reading, uh, was just born in 2021. Actually, it's a very, very young company with a very steep growth rate. So uh, I thought it was very interesting that uh, in, uh, they, they managed to merge successfully uh, and raise capital in such a short life of both companies, I would say. What's, uh, what's your take on that, Nick? Um, yeah, actually, I agree with you. That's a very interesting, a very interesting deal. Uh, I have to say that from what I see from Crunchbase, Armut appears to be uh, from 2011, not 2021. I don't want to. Uh, oh, okay, no, uh, I, okay. Rude, but um, I'm, I'm just looking at the Crunchbase profile right now. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks it is the right armut. But um, anyhow, uh, it's an interesting deal because it's an Italian company that's gone out and it appears they acquired armut. So it's a merger where Pronto Pro is the one uh, absorbing the other. Mm -hmm. And actually, the two companies uh, from the article, they're merging forces in order to strengthen, strengthen their the internet international presence, which appears to be quite complementary in a sense. So Pronto Pro is strong in Italy, of course, uh, with presence in a few other countries and uh, Armut is uh, strong in Turkey and present in the UK and with the other countries, so they are, you know, joining forces. Um, I totally agree with you about the founders and we know that um, currently the company, if I'm not wrong, is run by a professional CEO, I believe, not Mark Odeng anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, I was also checking on Crunchbase. Uh, so apparently, let's see. Uh, Here we are, Alessandro Frau. Exactly, Alessandro Frau is the, is the CEO of the company, correct? It's absolutely correct. Yep. Mm -mm -mm. And, but I thought I'd give it to you, uh, Marco and uh, Silvia was the founder they started from scratch and they built quite a capable company uh, in the market and as we know Sylvia moved on and now she founded Serenis and she already raised money so she's a, on a, a real serial entrepreneur right now uh, so good 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 for for them and for the record 
Yeah. And another interesting point is probably that uh, there are no major VCs in Porto Pro. Ah, uh, I was about to tell many... you that. Correct. Yeah, well, so sorry. Yeah. I... No, 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 it's a good point. Uh, Very I good. robbed you of the of the juicy piece from the from the article. That's juicy. Let's in, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There is mo- most of the money from Immobiliary.it. That's an online um, classified real estate uh, portal. Uh, Probably the biggest fight in Italy, I believe, and very active in also investing and acquiring other companies. So, uh, quite of an active player in the ecosystem. Yeah, and I would say also very sophisticated, kind of intervening in later stage Series A's and B's. Uh, we've been talking about Immobiliare, maybe not too often like other players, but definitely a very specific and targeted player. So. It totally makes sense for them and uh, yeah, with a clear, clear strategy. So Immobiliare is definitely someone to, to look at, at for sure. Um, on the flip side, Armut has been uh, has been venture backed across the basically the, the, the whole growth of the company. And uh, there are a few um, uh, funds, which you know, I think is worth mentioning, uh, Hummingbird Ventures for a Series A and uh, ADD Venture, AdVenture. Those are the two main funds that, uh, that essentially develop the growth of, uh, of Armon. So that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, as you say, like two different players from two different like uh, side, they come together with a common product and then they decide to merge to conquer uh, Europe, uh, Northern Europe and Southern Europe. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Very interesting. Cool. Um, all right, so uh, moving on, I would say let's talk about Dove.it, PropTech startup raising 3 million euro in a round led by Azimuth, uh, Alicrowd, Eltif. So uh, Dove.it in general, just for people that don't know, is a platform that essentially allows you to sell your home uh, at the best price with zero commission. So it's, an, it's a play where basically they're trying to um, solve the the the, the biggest problem of selling houses, which is time consuming and a pain, uh, make it smooth and make it fluid through tech. So it, it's, uh, we've been talking about Dove, I think in another occasion, if I remember, uh, they, it, they, they came up already. And, uh, and yeah, very good job in working with Azimut into the race, because uh, again, as we talk about Azimut all the time, in particular, this one is the vehicle which has been put together with the Ali Crowd, which, with Mama Crowd, uh, which essentially um, allows Azimut to have privileged access to the deals uh, happening on the platform in some form or another. And uh, yeah, definitely a player that gives a very good stamp of approval, I would say, in terms of, uh, of deals. Yeah, well, uh, I think he said it all. So. Uh... I can only add that uh, Dove actually raised the crowdfunding rounds earlier uh, this year from the Mama Crowd platform. I can see they closed their campaign in February this year, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the article as well. Uh, and it's probably in that occasion that Ali Crowd made the first investment in the, in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as far as I can tell, this investment is not at and hasn't happened on a crowdfunding platform. So this is basically a, a double down from the Ali crowdfund uh, into Dove.it. Nice. As far as I can tell. Nice. 
So it's a good valuation, I would say. So 10 million uh, pre-money. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely on the on the on the high side of what Mama Crowd is usually like pushing down the the, the deal flow pipeline. I would say. Um, I was also checking out of curiosity uh, the status of uh, the Eltif, the Azimuth Elfit Ali Crowd. So I thought it was fun maybe today to go through, dig really quick into the, their website and see what's going on. So um, what is what is I mean uh, I, re I I kind of appreciate very much this kind of uh, way of putting this kind of investments. So the Azimuth is traditionally uh, an asset manager like working all across different asset classes. And uh, they did a very smart move by working with one of the first uh, crowdfund crowdfunding platform and uh, including it in, uh, in their offering. So this is perfectly aligned with uh, uh, everything that they're, that they're doing in terms of, uh, I would say, like uh, maybe a higher risk uh, product. Of course, uh, we're talking about startups, so that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, so it's a, it's an LTIF, which is a special kind of European fund for the people that uh, never heard about it. And of course, the objective is to um, to increase value in the, over the long run. So by investing in company from seed to late stage. So it's pretty wide. Um, I would so given the standards, I would say I don't know if you Nick agree. They've been playing mostly seed too early, with a few in the late stage space. I would say. And uh, what we've seen is basically, yeah, a big, uh, a very big support from the Mama Crowd platform. So that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, if we look into the the prospectus, just to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So there is a minimum subscription of ten thousand euro, and they say that essentially the the length of this fund is eight years, and they have a target of two x in general, which of course is not guaranteed. It's written in all possible forms as, as it should, but, uh, but it's an interesting, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool product. Um, if yeah. I may add, Jack, sorry to interrupt you. Another interesting bit from these perspectives, from this uh, um, information page, is that the duration of the fund is eight years, unlike the usual VC fund that's 10 years. So usually it is 10 plus two, in this case we have Eight plus two. Yeah, that yeah, absolutely correct. Very good point. Hmm. So uh, I downloaded really quick the uh, the, uh, the the share the class IA share kind of like uh, like uh, element here uh, just to give extra perspective. I yeah, as we said, like the the risk profile is definitely like on the high side but i like like how they are they're really like putting together like uh, in uh, in a very like a clear and concentrated way which um, which is uh, which is very like uh, thoughtful so thoughtful when it comes to you know startup investing so this is a good sort of touching point between really early stage uh, startup investing and the more sophisticated instruments that uh, that have been available on the market Nice. That's that's very interesting. Uh, if I may add some flavor to what you said, that's yeah, very, very complete. Uh, the, the first thing is that uh, at, the end, at the beginning of this year, actually uh, Azimut acquired the majority stake in Mama Crowd. Ah, so, okay. yeah, the, the entire crowdfunding platform is actually part of Azimut. Uh, so it makes even more obvious sense for uh, Azimut to have a 
a direct interest into investing in anything that passes through the uh, the platform, or at least having the, the the right to do so, as iCloud uh, uh, has currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the second point we wanted to add. So it was the, the, the structural uh, agreement uh, for the additive to invest in uh, Mama Cloud startups. So, you know, this interesting point. And from the example of Dovey.it, we see that they can also follow on independently uh, from uh, being an uh, active campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. Right, moving on, Lifty, a big player that we, we've seen and we've appreciated across, uh, I would say, the, the last year for sure. Uh, again, uh, strikes another investment of half a million uh, to Aria Sensing. So uh, Lifty has been very active in the IoT space. This is another investment that uh, kind of uh, matches the, the style of portfolio. And uh, I thought it was uh, particularly interesting. So. Nick, what uh, what is uh, what is your take on that? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, this is one of the verticals where I can't say I understand uh, fully what they're doing. But uh, it is data sensing is a hardware startup. They came up with this radar, uh, radar on a, on a small chip, one centimeter or, or so. Um, to be used in uh, um, monitoring and other uh, other type of environments. Yeah. Uh, I don't know um, where the uh, seafood was. Oh, that's interesting. So probably the frequency that that the radar is using allows for some you know magic tricks uh, with respect to traditional competitors. And probably as I see the picture of the car, there's a strong opportunity in the in the uh, autonomous mobility, autonomous driving, mm-hmm. or you know, assisted driving sector, probably. Totally. But I'm just imagining from the website. I don't know. So, I know you've studied it more. <laughs> Not really, I, but I've seen uh, similar deals actually. So people tracking has been uh, blowing up. I would say in the past uh, four years, maybe. Uh, from of course uh, the advancement of the new technology in terms of radar and uh, even uh, imaging and imaging processing. And uh, I've seen actually, but I don't know if these guys are doing something similar. I've seen this application commercially to actually track the flow of people in buildings, both in a way, like in two ways, mostly. One is a security based sort of a flavor, which is, uh, you know, tracking the flow of big buildings will tell you something about the safety of the building. So it's a safety, it's a safety play. So you can say, in case of an emergency, you can see which are which are going to be the more congested area, and then you can take sort of a, a measure for that. And uh, another application in terms of always people tracking is uh, in uh, retail stores to actually track and monitor people coming in and out and uh, having a metric that tells you something meaningful about the, the business. I don't know. It's uh, it's been interesting. It's been. Uh, I think I thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting play. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Just about people sensing. Okay. Very nice. Moving on, uh, I would uh, jump to Kazoo announcing uh, its abandonment of the uh, EU business, uh, following different uh, different uh, actions uh, taken uh, from the acquisition of Broom Broom. So, what uh, what is your take on that, uh, Nick? Uh, 
well, uh, it's not an epic story, or it appears not to be one. Uh, they acquired Broom Broom not long ago, uh, just a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, and it appears now Kazoo is leaving continental Europe, basically. So, uh, focusing on the UK operations, and it seems they're making all the people in the European countries redundant. So, that's a strong, uh, strong action. Yeah. So, Huge cut. I mean, jobs cut is, is definitely at the, every day. Every day you hear about the big tech kind of starting cutting and it's massive cuts all the time. I mean, uh, in the US is definitely a little bit bigger. Europe still has like huge, uh, huge number. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a saddening story for sure. Mm. From the article, it appears that Kazoo uh, in, two, uh, in two different moments uh, let go a total of 1,500 people, so 1,500 wow. people. So they, 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 they had a lot of, you know, personnel actually. Yeah. Yeah. To find out right now, Ekazu is one of the of those example of uh, extremely quick um, blade scaling strategy, mm -hmm. uh, and the when the market turns around, maybe it doesn't work for the in a great way. Yeah, I mean, uh, not the first case of uh, a blitzscaling startup entering Italy and be like, nope, we don't like it here, let's move back. I mean, we've heard this uh, in the past year with different situation. Are we seeing a pattern here? I mean, something is uh, is happening, maybe on, you know, on specific uh, industries, it's particularly tough. It's tough to say, super tough to say. It's, it's difficult. It's probably, a, probably has a, something to do with um, low marginality, high investment in acquiring customers and need to, to, to go fast and burn a lot of money. And when money stops, you really have to take our decisions quite quickly. Um, so we've seen it, as you said, with e-commerce, we've seen it mm -hmm. with Kazoo. There are some signs uh, that also the buy now, pay later momentum is slowing down in a sense. Uh, with some news related to, you know, um, follow on rounds at very much lower valuations than the, the latest, uh, latest round from the main players. So there are some markets where uh, reality seems to be coming back and knocking at the door and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I see low or no margins. Probably you should, you know. Think better. <laughs> I'm joking, but still. Exactly. The, 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 from the outside, that's the, the impression. That's how it looks. That's how it looks. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Let's end up maybe on a note again. PLG is another keyword that we've uh, we've seen happening across. Uh, you already mentioned a few excellent articles, so I encourage the listener to go check out uh, the past issues of uh, Nick's uh, newsletter to uh, to have a look at the, at the different articles. Also this week, I thought it was a great articles full of insights in terms of um, product-led growth startups, so PLG startups. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, any any particular insights that you wanna you wanna mention? I thought there was a there was a few ones that uh, were well, 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 the, the, the take the take home points at the end of the article are you know more more than interesting. Uh, I think you can, you're noticing a pattern that I'm studying the PLG more. Yes, but. yes, yes. <laughs> there are some interesting articles here and there. Uh, I think this is not, um, from my position, my point of view, this is not particularly, you know, mind-blowing in a sense, because 
finding out the demand curve of your customer is nothing new. The, mm-hmm. the problem is not that you need to know to find it out. The problem is finding it out and how to understand what's the demand curve for your customers. But that, I think the most interesting um, takeaway point is actually the uh, one of the most difficult and one of the most obvious but less uh, explored. Is kind of how do you increase by twenty percent your profitability overnight? Mm-hmm. You take a hard look at your pricing and you change it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, that's you know uh, sometimes uh, in particular if you have no experience as an as an entrepreneur if you have no experience with international markets you might think that you know one price fits all but from the art from the articles there are clear examples of how you know. The American market is higher income, is more, um, uh, more professional, more it, has, it is a deeper market, so it can command higher prices. Expectations mm-hmm. are higher, of course, and you can command higher prices. If you go to India, you can't go to India with the same pricing structure as the American market because you, you will cut out a lot of your your potential customer base. Um, from our point of view, from Italy, probably we tend to um, underprice a bit. That's my experience with respect to international markets. Uh, so sometimes I've seen portfolio companies from, from our firm that you know um, uh, start selling out of it, outside of Italy, in particular to the US. Like you know, in the US they can't believe their eyes with the prices. But it's like too too low. <laughs> um, it, it happens. Uh, so I think it's the the main takeaway point is that you know. Uh, don't treat all the markets as the same in terms of mm-hmm. price, because there might be opportunities out there to heavily impact your contribution margin overnight. And that's you know, interesting. Important. Interesting. I wonder if that would activate uh, some of the old school problems where you have a pricing arbitrage across different nations and people sort of, uh, you know, if you want to be laser focused on changing prices on different markets. You know, there might be different angles that can become difficult, but I agree. I agree with you when it comes to um, underpricing. It's, uh, sometimes it's easy to underprice uh, and well, actually assuming that it's going to work and fly better when actually it's, it's actually the opposite. But uh, Yeah, it might, it might kill you. Right? Exactly. Those are, it's one of the, those counterintuitive things, right? You know, that you need to kind of digest slowly. Those are the... Exactly. Yeah. Cool. You nailed it. That's exactly. <laughs> All right, Nick. Thank you so much for joining, and uh, I'll see you next week. Ciao, Jack. Ciao, everybody. See you in a week.